Between the time when wargamers played with chainmail and the rise of the wizards of the coast, there was an age of gamers. And unto this, Gygax, destined to bear the crown jewel of TSR upon a troubled brow, to show you all how to roll for initiative. The Roll for Initiative Podcast, special insert, volume two, number four. I am DM Vince sitting alongside DM Nick. Hi, everybody. And DM Will. What's up? DM Matt is out this week doing a professional wrestling show, so congrats to him. So, hopefully. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, he'll have some good stories to tell. I'm back from the grief. <laughs> Or do you have a tournament? No, King Kong know. Bundy, that's the man. There's no King Kong Bundy. I don't think he wrestles anymore. Do that Bundy splash and the, what was it, the two count? No, <laughs> this is the five count. This Walker, I suppose. Uh, so this week's uh, special insert, actually, we'll get to it in a few minutes. And we have a lot of emails and voicemails to go over. So, Nick, we're going to jump right into it with you with some stars. Go for it. Yeah. All right. Here on iTunes, uh, just to remind everybody, you can listen to us on iTunes. Just type in Roll for Initiative right there on your iTunes control for the for the search and you can find us there and also you can contact us at rfistaff at gmail.com you know actually Nick if you type in advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition we come up too now okay then yeah even in Google you type that we come up sweet I love it go ahead sorry Oh, no problem. That's okay. I'll, I'll kill you later. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, kill you, I'll, kill your, I'll kill your character later. Um, but we have three reviews this week. Oh, and by the way, just to let everybody know, before I get into the reviews, um, apparently we are now on the iTunes hot list. So hot when you list. pull us up. Yeah, the hot list. Not hot lips. Not like in hot, oh, okay. hot lips. Cool. Not put Loose Academy here? Oh, okay. <laughs> no hot lip bullet hand for match, but anyway. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Diverging, diverging. Ah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, we're on the hot list. So hot list. When you pull us up, yeah, uh, we're right up there on that first page. So, and we're, 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 yeah. kudos everybody for helping us out. We've we've far passed a lot of the major popular uh, podcasts. It's pretty cool. So yeah, which is pretty amazing. So. Uh, and I have to say to all of our listeners, thank you so much for putting us over a hundred and you know putting us on the hot list. And um, yeah, just looking around on iTunes, comparing to other podcasts. I mean, our feedback from you guys is tremendous. So thank you. And with no further ado, let's get into our three reviews. Our first one in, is from Delve Lord. And this should put a smile on your face, uh, Will. He says, DM Jason is dead. Long live DM Will. What? <laughs> Who wrote that? With five stars. Wow. <laughs> All right, Will. Yeah. I was like, okay. Uh-oh. I don't know if I got a, a real fan or it's one of those groupies or what have you. Or what my people call a stalker. So I'm not quite so sure. But it says, I felt compelled to write a review after hearing Celestian complain about DM Will. Jason was a fine host, although his actual play episodes were sometimes agonizing to listen to. (laughs) Will is a worthy replacement. I disagree that he comes across as just opening and reading from a book. On the contrary, he does his research for the show and it shows his delivery. Well done, Will. Also, 
you could play a drinking game by taking a shot whenever he says whatever the case may be. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's got an actual play. Love the Oriental <laughs> Adventures recording and hope to hear many more entertaining APs from your group. So not only do you do your research, we could play a drinking game. <laughs> oh, about that. I don't drink no alcohol. All I drink is water, juice, and milk. So to <laughs> change that. Anywho, oh, well, thank you God. for the kind remarks. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for the kind remarks. Yeah. And like that's I said, I'm gonna have my you know I'm gonna have my fans, and then I'm gonna have those that are not fans. I mean that's just the way it is. It is what it is. I can't please everyone, but I will tell you this though: I will support first edition until the day I go on the ground. I agree. That's how I feel. Me three. Who wrote that review, by the way? Uh, that was by... That was by uh, Delvlord. Delvlord. Oh, I know. Okay, hold on. Okay. Cool. Thank you. That was yes. by Delvlord, and thank you very much, Delvlord, for that uh, wonderful comment. All right. Our next one is from Conger, and it's another five-star review, and it starts old school newbie. And Conger says, I got into D&D with 3rd Edition and have been playing almost weekly ever since. The announcement of the reprinting of the original AD&D core rulebooks got me interested in the older editions of the game. So I started looking around the internet and found this podcast. It is amazing. All in caps. <laughs> a collection of AD&D manuals on eBay, and I've been running a first edition game for a few weeks now. This podcast got me into the, quote, old school renaissance and has been immensely helpful in helping me run my game. Thanks to RFI crew for making this awesome show. So, wow. Thank you very that, much, Hunger. That means a lot to us. At least that's to me. awesome. I don't know how Vince feels. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> he's, he's like, eh. <laughs> Meh. Meh, I like, yeah. I like pie. Uh, oh, oh, no, that's have, great. That this is, that is been, absolutely yeah. awesome. This I like though. those reviews when we get those folks that they started with later editions. Yeah. And they you know, either stumble upon our podcast or they hear about it from somebody and they listen and they're like, hey, you know what? There's something in this first edition thing. <laughs> so thank you very much, Conger. I'm glad we brought you into the fold. So be ready to drink the Kool-Aid. Anyway, uh, <laughs> our last review is from Miles Angerman. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I don't know their last name. No, it's a five-star review. It oh. says, really cool podcast. And Miles says, this podcast is awesome. These guys give great insights in the world of 1E and manage to find a new find new and interesting subjects to help it feel fresh. I'm a young DM and listening to this podcast has vastly improved my abilities as such in AD&D. Again, these guys are great. Give them a listen. Well worth your time and keep it up, dudes. And the creature feature is top notch. So thank you, Miles. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, we're glad we could actually help you with your game. I think that's like you know one of the cornerstones of the show that you know we give some insight, give you some tips and, you know, just use whatever you feel is best. So, again, we're, thank you very much. Like, yeah, well, eh. that's the whole point. That's the whole point of getting people together and, and taking topics and getting outside of the box. That was the problem mm-hmm. from the early days. Yeah. Everyone was so concerned what was inside the box but was scared to creep out of it. And that's what we provide. Exactly. And, and, and magazines, though, in the bat, in like uh, White Dwarf and Dragon early Yeah. He's... Uh, you know, late seventies and early eighties were kind of that 
uh, outlet for interesting creative ideas. And, right. you know, Vince kind of took that idea and brought it into the podcast. So that's why we, like, we feel like, I don't know, I feel like we're kind of that, you know, offspring of that, you know? We're kind yeah, of we're a, the, a we're an audio book, pretty much, or an audio magazine. That's why you say issues. Yeah, issues. <laughs> we have well, issues, amongst other things. Well, I can actually say the issue idea was Jason's idea to name it issues, because he, when we were talking about it, he was like, well, this sounds like what you want to do is an audio book or an audio magazine, like issues from a magazine. Why don't we just call it issues? And I was like, that's a great idea. We'll call it issues. Yeah. And then we would have everyone in the world with issues calling us. Yeah. <laughs> My podcast has issues. Yes, yeah, so we're all gonna we're all gonna become Dr. Phil and not have a degree and call each other a doctor, so <laughs> people have issues. What the heck's your problem? Oh Jesus. So, oh, did you see that yeah. video, the viral video that went viral this week about the dad that disciplined his daughter and shot her laptop into fire? That was awesome. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen that, folks, check on YouTube. It's about a guy, a cowboy. I think he's from Texas, probably. He's a southerner. He, he disciplined his daughter because she was really outright defiant on Facebook and wrote all these nasty things about it. So he recorded a video, read it, and then took her laptop and shot it up ten times. Shot it like five or six times yeah. with a nice pistol at that, too. That was just awesome. Well, um, you know, he, he was, she, she wrote this real nasty thing on Facebook about her parents and using the F word and all this. And I mean, and she's like, what, 14, 15? Well, daddy fixed that. And then said that if you want a new computer, you're going to pay for it, yeah. but you're going to pay me back all the money for the software I put into it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say... Well, she's completely stupid because, like, her parents are not going to go on Facebook. Doy! Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyways, that's enough about that. <laughs> Let's get into some more stuff here. We have um, a couple emails, uh, voicemails, some comments. Let's start off with voicemails. Those, I always consider those the most important things. So. Oh, and by the way, Facebook, uh, our uh, Facebook.com says RFI Podcast. We're getting close. So to help us get to a thousand likes or a thousand fans, you nice. know you want to. You know you want to. Please hit the like. <laughs> that means you too will. You Me? like? <laughs> you like? I'm it. certain I did that. I, I like it a lot. That's I, a if, joke. If it had love, I would press the love button. Aww. <laughs> there should be a new one. Love. I like that one. <laughs> anyway, first voicemail and mute your microphones. Hi, hi guys. This is PM Cal. Uh, I just wanted to um, throw out a question to you guys. Uh, perhaps uh, it's a little quick on the heels of the genocide from Oriental Adventures. What do you guys feel about the Sohe class? I sort of feel like it's a, well, it's a class that you know is offered to player characters. It feels a lot more like an NPC class than anything because you're so tied to your temple and they're sort of like made to die. In a way, so I'm wondering, you know, for those of you who run Oriental Adventures, how do you use the Sohei class? And as uh, DM Will brought up in, you know, supplementing your Oriental Adventures with L5R, how do you uh, feel about using the L5R uh, hit point system where you get penalties the more you're hit uh, rather than just having a set of hit points, sort of bringing some realism into it, as you guys talked about with this edition. Well, thanks a bunch, and uh, keep uh, keep putting out uh, the old school and the original. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, what do you guys think? Well, I, I thought I brought up the uh, L5R thing. Did you bring that up, Paul? 
We both did, I think, during that uh, week and everything. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> Sohei, just for those that don't know what Sohei are, uh, Sohei, I believe, are those, uh, they're, they're like the uh, the monks. Well, let's see, they, they're monks, but they're warrior monks. They're, yeah. they're a lot more militant. They're more aggressive, and they, they're more prone to be pushing their religious I think they're religious and political ideals outside of the monastery that they normally they guard and everything. So Sohei are interesting characters to play. And, uh, well, I mean, it's rough. I mean, they're, they're, they'd be great as NPCs. I see no problem with them being uh, PCs. Yeah, I don't, see a characters. I don't see a problem either. They have a good hit dice to determine their hit points and everything. Right. But with Sohei, anything with Oriental Adventures, and this is what I'm going to tell anyone else, go to L5R to get ideas and, and, yeah. and get a character background. That was one thing that was so limited about Oriental Adventures is that they didn't really give too much detail. I'm like, how would this character be used in a situation? Give me some examples. And there was really no supplemental material to back the Oriental Adventures a hardback book up, except maybe wow. a couple of adventures in yeah. uh, Dungeon Magazine or whatever they said in Dragon. I well, think they had like five published adventures entirely. Yeah. They had a they had a, oh, a yeah, mini campaign. Two. Yeah, I forgot about those. They had a mini campaign setting in uh, one of the modules they had out. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. I got those. I, I see them as a matter of fact over here. They're in a binder because I also printed them out in black and white. Yeah, that's true too. I, I keep forgetting about those. But like I said, it wasn't really a lot. Of, I wish they had gave some more information on those guys. No, uh, Legend of the Five Rings uh, actually really did a lot for the game. Yes. As far as using their hit point system, I don't think it would work here. I don't really. Maybe because he's talking about adding negatives to uh, the attacks and everything, like they do in Legend of the Five Rings, right? For the damage you take, well, it makes sense there, but their system is so much different with the roll yeah, and keep. I'm not familiar with roll and keep five R that much, but I know one thing: when you try to take one thing from a system that has a different game mechanic and try to port it into another, it can be a real headache. Well, I like the one, one thing I like roll for. Um, Legend of the Five Rings system is the roll and keep uh, system, which is you roll a certain amount of dice and you keep a certain amount of dice that actually work. Yes. Okay. So, which is really cool. Which is a really good system if you look into the game. But a lot of people don't like playing Legend of the Five Rings because they don't like the whole political uh, feudal Japan stuff. So. Hmm. Well, I tell you, I, I think L5R was done very well. Yeah. And uh, now, what was his name? Was his name DM Cow? Cow? Cow, yeah. Okay, yeah, I say use whatever you can from L5R, and if you can find a way to work it into the Oriental Adventures for first edition, I say try it. Play test it. If it works out well, hey, more power to you, my friend. Uh, I, you can't go wrong on, on L5R. L5R is a great system. It's like birthright to me. Yeah, hmm. I see what you're saying. Cool. Yeah. I, I'm looking over the class real quick. I don't really see why he thought it would be an NPC class. Maybe because of all the restrictions on it, but... You could, yeah, it just but some like people said, like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really weird with some of these characters. I mean, it's the same thing with Cavaliers out of the UA. Mm. Why would a Cavalier leave his land where his, you know, his lord or king or whatever, why would he go to another land and travel when he could stay there and defend his homeland, which is what Sohei do. They defend monasteries. Yeah. Why would they just leave that monastery to push their agenda Five, six, seven hundred miles away. I'm just you know, throwing stuff. Well, in there, my for friend. a cavalier, 
I could see them leaving the kingdom, but not by themselves. They usually travel in groups, and right. that's usually to uh, try to take over some other land. <laughs> <laughs> or right. push their, you know, ideals, their, yeah. their alignment, you know, whatever stuff. On, on or land. go and try to defend the kingdom. You know, maybe they right. have been sent out by the local lord to help defend. Yeah, and they usually go into a, a giant war or something. Not like like Will were saying, just go randomly out and just start, you know, fighting right, and killing. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was a good question. I think that was an awesome question about Sohei. That's just uh, mm. how would you use these types of characters in, in a campaign? If someone decided, to, how would you use them? What would the character background be? You know, that's that's an awesome question. And obviously, if it's written in the book, it doesn't have to be played. The DM can sit with you and say, "All right, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Let's just you know sit there and scratch this out and change it." Yeah, yeah. there's nothing that doesn't say that you can't change it up a little good bit. Thing, Absolutely. Good thing I have a pop filter on my mic. Ugh. <laughs> but I will say this though: if if you like L five R, get a lot of that background. That is oh. probably the best setting out there, or you know, another campaign setting that's out there that you could take from. Definitely. You know, probably one of the best books they've written to this date now is for fourth edition, fourth edition of the game. It's called The Great Clans Book. It just came out maybe like six months ago. Mm-hmm. And it is the best detailed background of all the clans in Japan for the game. The background, the film, the history of the families, how they, the ancestors were, how to play the game, how to incorporate each family into the game. It's really good. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. That is just awesome. All Five R has has done very well. I wish more people would play All Five R. I don't know who's playing it because you know, call, contact me. I'll play. <laughs> there you go. Skype a game. There we go. Here's another voicemail we got coming in. Okay. Hey guys, this is Old School Chris off for the OSR uh, Gaming Forums. I got a question on First Edition uh, Drow Elves. Um. I know it's looking through the uh, one adventure that had them in there that I'm going to be using. There was a difference between the male and the female speed. Uh, the females had a movement rate of 15, while the males had a movement rate of 12. I wonder what your guys' opinion of this was. I've never really used Drow before. Occasionally, somebody wanted to play them as a PC, and they pretty much just played them as evil elves. So I wonder what you guys thought about it, and... Uh, any of your uh, input on it would be cool. Maybe it'll give me an idea of a branch to take it. If it's logic, I realize it's a illogical game. It's pretend, but if there's a little bit of logic to it, I can make it work. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Well, I, first, Ooh, I like to, I, I could say definitely first right off the bat. The female drows are more dominant than the males. Yeah, they the, absolute, that is absolutely the key yeah. thing on it. That the females in drow society are the they're the backbone. They are the structure. Right. Everything revolves around them, and it's probably because they are blessed by their their deities as as they are. You better believe yeah, it. That's with, why. With uh, the the concept of the drow, and you could take like little bits from even second edition too because they have that there's that one supplement book Drow the Underdark which is a good resource too and it's a matriarchal society uh, the, the the females are in charge the women are in charge um, that and uh, ma- males they they are in that society the weaker sex more, uh, without you know oh there's no doubt about that they are and they they generally are the fighters uh, they are the rank and file, more or less, and uh, you do 
find some like maybe some fighter magic users or magic user thieves as far as like classes are concerned as far as and when you're talking about male drow those guys are the ones that are a little bit of cut above the rest and they're the ones who have to be really really careful or they might be killed by a female so <laughs> yeah yeah so the the idea is because that society is matriarchal and they're the 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 women in that site are depicted as stronger, hence probably the faster movement rate and so on. That's the only so. reference I can think of, and I, I kind of looked, kind of did a Google search on that. I didn't get any relevant information, so that's what yeah. I could. Will, do you have any relevant information about that? Oh, but I mean, with 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 just what he was talking about, if we're just referring to first edition, I mean, from what I have done, you know, in playing Drow in first edition. That's basically the main reason. I mean, we can use logic. I mean, let's, let's make sense here. Female drow are smaller and they're lighter. So what does that mean? They'll probably be faster than the males. Yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the logical perspective if you want to look at it like that. And it's just amazing that I was just reading an article on racial abilities and all that stuff and everything. And, it, and, and you know, this is one of the few things oh, I've God. seen in a long time that the female drow are faster than males. But they're, I don't know if they're more powerful. Uh, I don't think their powers change. They both have the same set of powers, right? Um, Any no, abilities? they don't. Actually, That's what I thought, see? the females are, they're, from what I recall, the, the females in Drow society are the ones that are, they're the priests, they're the clerics. Right. They, they're also the ones that are, they're the leaders. Um, for certain aspects. And I'm taking different ideas here, too. I, I've read Salvatore's uh, prequels for Drizzt, and it gives a great insight on how he took uh, Drow society. I mean, there are some quote-unquote male leaders, but they are they're leading like schools of like uh, fighting or thievery, maybe some magic as well. But um, they are more or less kept in check well, by just, the by the females. Well, I just thought of a reason actually because I remember interviewing Joseph Block uh, when he was doing Advanced uh, Adventures Dark and Deep. Uh huh. He was telling me because there were some people complaining why some of the male female gets different stats and different that and and right. And I forgot that he had said that Gary wrote an article about how he wanted to use that in the next edition of the game if he had a chance to write it. So I think maybe that was some of the stuff that was creeping in that he was trying to insert in later on. So maybe that is a reason why the female and the males are different because he was starting to experiment and try. I don't know. That would have been cool. I have no problem with that. And, and you, are, you are correct there, Nick, that uh, females do gain uh, a couple more innate abilities upon fourth level. Yeah. Yeah. And I also look into it when you look at driders, and I think that might has, has a big issue there. I, as far as I understood it, I thought more males became driders than females. Or is it, is it backwards? Right. I think you're right. No, I think you're correct. I think the... I think the type uh, when you're talking what gender becomes a dry a drider, more of the males do. That's what I thought because they fail the priestesses somehow, yeah. and they get punished because they're weak, so they make they make them into driders. Exactly. You know, we could do a whole show on drow. We should probably do that. That'd be a good idea. That would be a good show to do something. Yeah. What do you think, Vince? Sounds good to me. I'll put that on the blot. All right. See, thank you. Ideas generates a whole show, baby. See. <laughs> Drows, okay, perfect. Uh, let's see here. 
Well, that's the end of the voicemails. If you want to send a voicemail in, you can call 570-865-4210, the hotline. Hotline! And just so you know, when you call, it just goes, it'll ring a few times and go directly to a voicemail and just leave a message for the show. Don't worry, no one will answer it. I actually answered it once out of the three years we had the phone by accident. I, I, was actually, you telling us that? <laughs> I was sitting at the computer and I was doing a bunch of stuff and the thing came up and said, answer. I'm like, wow, what's this? Answer. Oh, yeah, duh. And the guy's like, oh, hello, hello. <laughs> totally freaked him out. Yeah, I freaked him out. So sorry about that. And uh, <laughs> I think that was DM Cal, actually, they did that, too. Oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so just you can call it, go directly to voicemail. Usually, chances are one ring, but sometimes Skype takes three. Just leave a message and we'll play it on the air. And uh, yeah, 570 865 the hotline. <laughs> Drower standing by. Ooh, that's bad. Let's head over to Facebook for some comments. I'll start doing this from now to promote that. Uh, we got one from Corey that says, hey, you need to update the info in the About section because it only says basically just me and Nick. Now you need to DM Matt and Will. I've done Oops. that. <laughs> Sorry about that, uh, Will. Sorry. Oh, uh, there was no hurt off my skin. I'm not cool. You are now part of the fold. <laughs> Uh, another one from Sam Maynard. He just said, discovered the podcast. I love what you were doing. Great to see people still playing first edition. Really enjoyed the creature feature on the Ropers. Keep it up. Oh, Mrs. and Mr. Roper. They're, they were really happy to give us an insight. Yeah, that, I know. So. They, they were looking <laughs> Don't want to be digested by those things. Those things are horrible. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we have one uh, person that's kind of annoyed uh, named Rich. I don't know if he's really annoyed. He just wanted a little bit more of an update. I tried oh. to listen to the episode you guys supposedly themes for Greyhawk way back in the day. I think that was before you, Nick. Oh, wow. I don't ever think you actually talked all about Greyhawk. So did you do a follow-up or what? I was disappointed. You guys do a good job, so keep it up. I Is st- he talking about the little recordings that were... I think maybe because he's mentioned Jason in the next sentence. Oh, I stopped okay. listening for a while due to Jason and his inability to regularly schedule the Skype campaign where I was playing Red. So I guess he was part of Jason's actual play. Glad I checked back in to see what's up. So he's listening again, and maybe he wants a show themed on Greyhawk. I know, Will, you're a big Greyhawk fan. Oh, I, I, I like Greyhawk. Uh, Greyhawk. I love Greyhawk. <laughs> but I can tell you, I can, I can sum it up in two words, or a couple words. It's a hawk. Oh. It's a gray hawk. Uh, and it flies in the air. Oh, no, well. No. <laughs> I was going to say, you said two words, but I said it sucks. <laughs> no, no, I would never say that. No, <laughs> no I love gray Love World of Greyhawk Fantasy Campaign setting. All right, I'll put that on the docket for a Greyhawk follow-up because we need to, we've covered things like that. So, I mean, we pay attention to Oriental Adventures, Dragonlance, and we haven't really put into in-depth talk about Greyhawk. So. Yeah, that's, that would be another great show. I'd love I to do that. I would love it. I'd love it. All right, uh, let's see here. And there's a couple people talking about the actual play podcast, The Legend of Fing Fang Foom, that I've been doing. And I didn't get to actually play it last week because a couple people bowed out and then I had to go out myself, so... Didn't get to record, so hopefully the next episode Aww. will be up soon. And that's about it for Facebook uh, that are relevant in the last least couple weeks here. Wow. Heading over to emails now. We got a bunch emails, of we got Facebook, we yeah. got voicemails. We're all over the place. I know. RFI staff at gmail.com is the email. You can also find us at RFI podcast at Twitter, which we really don't use much. We probably should use that more often, but I don't have time to go on Twitter all day long and tweet. Do you? No. I don't tweet. Yeah. (laughs) 
No, I'm not Tweety Bird either, and I don't do no tweeting. Yeah. One, this first one comes from DM Brendan. He says, Hi, RFI. Thanks for the great work on the podcast. With all your experience, I thought I might be able to help, help me with some ideas on how to run a behind-the-enemies-line campaign. Ooh. I'd like to run one soon where it starts off. The place where the PCs grow up is t- overtaken by an enemy force, and they just managed to escape with most of the campaign taking place in an enemy-occupied territory. The scenario doesn't lend itself too well to a get-the-quest that requires a dungeon crawl sort of thing that I've done before. How do I fill it up with stuff to do and expose a forward path for them so they're not just wondering what the heck do we do now? Looking forward to the next podcast, DM Brendan. Oh, I got a few ideas. Go ahead, Nick. Um, This almost is like the one Dark World campaign where basically most, if not all, the world has been taken over by evil and your band of characters are, (laughs) wherever they are, they are behind the enemy lines. Uh, If you want to run a a campaign like that, one of the things I got to think of is probably going to be limited on resources, you know? If you're going to have to replenish supplies, if you're in hostile territory, it's going to be really hard to replenish your your provisions. You're going to have to really live off the land, if you will, unless uh, you know your player characters are very resourceful. Somehow, win the hearts and minds of people that with the that they're uh, uh, meeting. You know that would be uh, uh, that would be good. Um, as far as that, it'd be like you know a race to get back to friendly territory. Um, you could almost make it to where maybe they are behind enemy lines and may, and the enemy uh, commander, if you will, is trying to search them out because they're such a threat. And it could be like a race for him to try to get the player characters. And along the way, you could set some little pitfalls, if you will, of you know ambushes and uh, things of that nature. So that's a couple ideas. You know what's a good... Inspiration for the show is Terra Nova. Ooh, yeah. Because uh, Terra Nova has that whole thing of there's this one society that's against the other society, and one society thinks the other one's evil. Mm. So you kind of got this resistance attacking the society that they consider evil, which they're, I don't know if they're evil or not at this point. I don't know if the show is going on to second season, but uh, there's all this stuff that you can do with a resistance, a lot of sneaking, a lot of conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's you can have a mission that you, you go and you have to steal supplies for your people because they're part of resistance. Mm-hmm. You got to steal food. You got to steal weapons. Maybe you want to make this master plan to try to uh, storm the castle and take it over. Maybe kill the, I don't know, the lord, the king, the, the mayor, whoever's in charge of the area. There's all that you can do. Yeah, I mean, actually, that's a really good thing about the mayor or the lord of the castle. It's almost like the player characters, you can make it to where they're going to try to cause as much havoc and chaos in enemy territory before they get home. Maybe it's it's like a, um, maybe they're, maybe they almost have like virtually no hope. And they're just going to try to go out with a bang. It's like looking for Bin Laden. uh, Yeah, in a way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know what I was thinking uh, when I when I listened to his question. There's two thoughts that come to my my mind. The first one is Pan's Labyrinth. Ah, yeah. If you, you remember go. Pan's Labyrinth, I thought yeah. that was a great movie where oh, you had that, that resistance. Yeah, it was a creepy movie, but there was that resistance in there, and so you know the story was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I liked the fantasy appeal to it and everything. So take a look at Pan's Labyrinth and just imagine the uh, the little girl is being part of that party. Her allies, of course, being that that satyr and and all those little fairies and 
and the other diabolical foes in it besides the humans. And then the other one, I think it was the Slave Lord series, where you start off deep in the underground, or not underground, but in the dungeon, you escape. Now what do you do? So that's yeah, my that's, Yeah, Module E3 is like that. You actually get captured, uh, that series. I think it's Module E3, and you're, like, naked. You get out and you're like in the you're in the dungeons of the slave lords and you're like oh now what do we do? That's A four is that A four? A three is captured. A four. A four starts where you're inside the uh, the cave. You know. Okay, that might be A four then. Okay. But you remember, see, see, but that's my point. That's how I would look at it. I think there's another module that does that. A lot of people don't know about it. I believe it's X three. I'm certain oh. Curse of Xanathon, I believe it is. Curse yeah. of Xanathon, there you go. The guy's, the guy's crazy or something like that, yeah. Yeah, you really got to check that one out. That will provide some guidance, too, as well. And there's a few others I just can't think of right now. No, but that's good. It's going to be yeah. tough on those players. Mm-hmm. Have mercy on them. Yeah. All right, uh, next email. This one's actually a really cute email. I like this one. Hello, guys. Just wanted to tell you how amazing your podcast is. 10 out of 10. I live in Essex, ah, Essex, England. I couldn't get that one off my tongue. And have been listening to you geezers while on the London Underground to work. Oh. Yeah, we're geezers. Cool. It brings <laughs> it brings loads of memories of playing D&D back in the 70s when I was a nipper. It's just got to be UK slang here, so yeah, I love England. Yes, I've always been a fan, fan since then. But stopped playing for many years. But you have awoken my thirst for adventure. Thinking of how these tube trains on the underground are about the same size and shape as a purple worm. Blimey, those beasts are big. See, you have even me thinking like a kid again. Got all my old manuals down from the loft. My wife thinks I have gone barking mad. (laughs) <laughs> you guys are magical. Thanks for the great show. Best wishes, DM Robbie from the UK. Cheers. Oh, DM Robbie, thank you so much. And yeah. by the way, mind the gap, okay? Mind the gap. Mind the gap. But that's wonderful. We're hitting people all out to the UK, which is wonderful. Oh, and yeah. You know what? I love purple worms. Great, Nasty. great monster. One of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, we had uh, a couple emails from Jonathan. Uh, he talks about his campaign and his experiences of how he went to fight against Orcus and how it ended badly. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, duh. Generally, yeah, that's how it kind of ends. <laughs> and then he said, he, uh, he said, April Fool's coming up soon. And with April Fool's coming up, I remember looking online a while back and finding stats for Elmo from Sesame Street and <laughs> for AD&D. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't like where this is going right now. I remember, I, being, Elmo. I remember it kind of being creepy and hard to hit and much less kill. I think it would be hilarious <laughs> to hear your reactions to it. It should be easy to find online if you decide to go with it. <laughs> Want to do a creature feature about Elmo? Only oh, for know, our uh, April Fool's show if we do it. Matt, Matt can do that because I don't want to touch it. <laughs> but we have to come up with stats for Bert. Ernie, Cookie Monster, <laughs> no, and Oscar, no, Snuffleupagus, Snuffleupagus, absolutely. Well, that's easy. Willie Mammoth, <laughs> Mr. Hooper. Don't forget Mr. Hooper. No, he oh, died. He's, he's the geezer. Yeah, he's, he's the geezer. <laughs> so what? <laughs> All right, thanks, Jonathan. Uh, we got another one coming in from Nick in Everett, not Nick in Ohio. <laughs> Everett, Ohio? 
No, I, I, maybe it's okay. Everett, Ohio. It's Everett, Washington, perhaps. Could be. Just, it just says in Everett. That's all it says. Okay. After going through most of your archive on iTunes, I picked up some old AD&D books off Amazon. While skimming the Monster Manager 2, I found a monster that brought up two interesting questions. The monster in question is from page 80, The Fox Woman. My ah. first question is, have any of you used The Fox Woman in your campaign? And two, what would you say would be happen to... Blah, 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 pff, lost my line. And two, what would you say would happen to any poor soul who was not of the specified elven woman who catches the lycanthropy off her? Would they gust... Would they just become aware of Fox? Oh, just. Okay, I, I see what it says now. Would they just become aware of Fox, or would they turn themselves into a Fox woman? Thank you for your time. Nick. Wow. Hmm. Oh, boy. I, would, I don't know. I've never used the Fox woman Neither have in, I. in a game, but uh, I'm looking right at it in the Monster Manual 2 here. And, boy, I forgot how uh, pretty cool this uh, monster is. Uh, yeah, uh, lycanthrope for elves. So, <laughs> yeah, the silver fox, the vixen, and the elven woman. Basically, it could I guess three forms. Mm-hmm. But I, I haven't used it. I, I really don't know. Not either have I actually. To be honest, will. Well, when I when I look at the fox woman, I'm thinking of Oriental Adventures. Yeah, uh, that's what comes to mind first. I can't even remember what they were called in there again. What were they called again? The fox, the, the people that could change it to the fox and everything. Oh, uh, Kurobuku or Kuro... was, I, I can't remember which one it is right now. Kuro, yeah. Kuro, Kuro. When, when he said fox woman, the first thing that came to mind was Oriental Adventures, and uh, yeah, and uh, so the question is: so what is he? What was his question again? Uh, what happens if uh, the porcel who was not one of the specified elven women who catches the lycanthropy of her? What happens to them? And do they become just a were fox, or would you turn them into a fox woman? Oh Lord, that's a tough one. Well, I mean, I look at it like this. First off, if we're playing first edition, if I'm correct, if a character contracts the curse, lycanthropy becomes a lycanthrope, however people want to pronounce it, I believe that character automatically becomes an NPC and the DM runs it. Yeah, that's usually what happens. That's how I usually recall that. I believe that is what is the rule in the DMG, I believe, if I'm correct, on on that curse. So, let's start with the basics here. That's how I would run it. If a character contracted that curse, they become an NPC forever, roll up a new character. Alright, well, let's just say (laughs) yeah, (laughs) goodbye and good luck, crunch, crunch, crunch. Or as like one of my friends did in his campaign to one of my other friends, he took the character sheet and he ripped it in half. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't be that mean. I wouldn't be that mean. I'd let them keep it because then the party would try and find a way to cure that curse to make yeah. that player a PC again. Yeah, I'm, he's. I think he's asking more along the lines of what if he allowed the person to play the character? What would he do to make the person the character playable? I well, wouldn't do it. Their alignment is too powerful. Well, what you could do is you could do the whole werewolf man thing from the werewolf movie things that during a certain time he's a man and then at, when he goes to sleep he becomes this werewolf creature and he doesn't know what goes on at night and he wakes up in weird places with his clothes off. Well, right. they also become, you become chaotic evil when you contract this uh, particular lycanthropy just like a werewolf. So that's going to make it really hard anyway if we're even considering having a lycanthrope in the party. I don't care if it's a fox woman or a werewolf or a were pig. I, I think I, I think this when changing alignment, you don't just automatically. This is my opinion. This 
Nothing. No one else's opinion. Because I don't want those people to go. Well, doesn't say that in the book. See, we could do another show. We could just do a show like on like canthropes. Yeah. Nick, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the case may be. Yeah. I think when changing alignments, you don't just automatically your chaotic evil. I think it's a gradual change over a couple days. Like you, slow, say you're lawful good. You slowly go changing your alignment. Head towards neutral and neutral right. good, and then yeah. neutral evil, and then slowly down you fall on the path of darkness. Yeah, but um, I think when you're talking about like canthropes, when you said uh, will they become an NPC, I think it's part of it is because look at what the lycanthropes can do. <laughs> oh, I mean, know? they're devastating. They can infect the entire party. Now you have a whole well, not party. Not just that, but it yeah. just breaks the darn campaign because now you have a supernatural creature in the party. Yeah. You know, it'd be like having, I mean, people, that's it, that power creep that we all kind of want to yeah, deter. I mean, you know, next thing, you know, you want people who say, well, what if I get bit by a vampire? My my character gets bit by a vampire. Well, you will be run by That's what happens. Well, that, <laughs> but, you know... I know, I know. It's just... You, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, that's why, if I recall, in the DM's guide, I, I, one of the things I kind of go with, like, it's the whole idea that, you know, monsters as player characters. Gary, I, I would have to say, was pretty wise on this. Don't do it. <laughs> you could try it. But I don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. And you know the good thing about it, just if you take a look at what it takes to cure them, because you have a certain time period to correct this uh, curse and disease, one and if they don't do it, they're permanent. It's permanent. Isn't it, yeah. wasn't it yeah. one full moon or something? Well, I didn't see anything on here that that says what causes the change. But I see how you can cure some of them. It, it doesn't say anything. So this is an interesting. Uh, a lycanthrope that I would have to look up and research and that we can cover later on another show. So please stand by to hear that. Okay. Thank you, uh, Nick. Not Nick. You're welcome. No, not you, Nick. <laughs> this one comes from, from DM Joe. No, not the DM Joe. <gasps> I was going to say. Yeah. DRFI, I'm currently running a campaign of my own creation and I was wondering if you guys could Think of any standalone modules I could run my PCs through. They will be levels 3 to 5. I am planning, trying to plan out a campaign as quick as possible, and I might have to go through another adventures that I have planned. DM Joe. Oh, wait. i got to run over to my collection. <laughs> <laughs> standalone modules? Yeah, standalone modules. That means for one person? I think, I means, think he means like it'd be ported into any campaign. Yeah, not connected in like a big story, like how one goes to the next. Or oh wow, there's tons of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I mean if you want short ones, I mean, woo. B four is one I can think of offhand that would be just you could jump into any campaign. B five. Yeah. The Lost City. Well, the Lost City is in the desert. If he's in the desert. Well, you could like, just, you could throw it anywhere. It doesn't matter. Yeah, B one is another one. Uh, levels three to five, though. Oh, three to five. A B three, Palace of the Silver Princess. Yeah, uh, I think. Oh man, there's so many of them. Uh, I think you can pour it over uh, Isle of Dread module yeah. X one. That's levels yeah. three to seven, and Definitely. that one you could plop pretty much anywhere. It's an island. I mean. Yeah, it's, it's not really geographically uh, specific. I think X3 also, what you talked about, it was that, isn't that levels 2 to 4 or 2 to 5, something like that? Oh, Bone Hill. I oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah, Bone Hill 
is kind of tied to World of Greyhawk, but you don't have to. Uh, Secret of Bone Hill. Yeah. The Lendor Isle series. Yes. Uh, that one, I think you could do that one. That I, one's not really... I know. always recommend and always, always, always look up one-page dungeon contests. Yep. Okay. Those things you can find, there's a ton of them from 2009, 2010, 2011, of these contests that people, just one-page dungeon it is called. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, it's just a one page. They fit a whole dungeon on, and the, the monsters and what the rooms are. It basically can be dropped into any campaign, any night, and it can last three hours, four hours. And you can just yep. tailor it to your need if you're running late or you know you're at a convention. It's perfect for a convention, actually. I've run two of them for conventions. Doesn't the um, um, the Desert of Desolation series doesn't start off levels three to five? I believe it starts off at three five. You're talking about Pharaoh, which is I three. Yeah, doesn't I three start off sure. at uh, three levels to three five, to five? Three to five, five to seven. I think it is three to five. I might be incorrect. It might be four to seven. I, I think it is three to five. Yeah, I. All my I, modules are downstairs. Yeah, I can't quite reach mine right now. My cord doesn't reach that far. Yeah, but that's a good, <laughs> good series of modules, though. The I three definitely a great module. But understand, that's not a. I mean, it could be a standalone, but it's, it's it takes a little longer. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks, DM Joe, and thanks to everyone that wrote in. That's staff at gmail.com. Actually, Pharaoh is levels 5 to 7. I'm sorry. Oh, it is 5 to 7. Yeah. Oops. Hey, do Ravenloft, then. Go in at a third level. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh now you're just asking for it. <laughs> hey, Tomb of Horrors. Do Tomb of Horrors. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Level 1, Tomb of Horrors. There we go. <laughs> see if you last through one, one encounter on level 1. Let's see if you make it through the door. How about that? That's awesome. Okay, well, that ends all of that, and now we can actually get on to the actual meat and potatoes of the show, as Chris would say from Order 66 podcast, meat and potatoes of the show. This is this episode is going to be sponsored by... We've done demons. You've heard us talk about demons. We've done devils and things like that, but we haven't done angels. Now, you're saying to yourself, oh. angels? What? Yeah. Well... Back, way back, remember Rollades done by Mayfair back in the 80s? The ones that got in trouble by TSR? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't understand how they got... They were licensed to do what they were doing, and then they had that whole lawsuit about it, and I guess they came to some agreement towards the end, but whatever. They made a, a, a box set, a box set number 757 called Sentinels. It's a demon's product, and it gives you a whole entire world slash campaign of how to play angels. And I figured we spend a little time on that, because we spend time on demons. Well, why not the other half? They have gods, but they're more powerful than demons. I say they're equals devils. And uh, why not spend some time on angels, right? Why Let's do not? it. Where, without this box set, say, where would you find angels for your campaign, uh, Will? Oh, you're asking me, without that? Well, I mean, it depended on when I started. Now, back then, I probably would not have introduced uh, those kind of uh, beings into a game unless I had some background on them. Uh, I, I did use, you know, uh, examples like, I mean, let's think about the first edition, the Monster Manual had devils. They had, and I said, like, well, if they have devils, I mean, devils are basically fallen angels, so I just mm-hmm. did the complete opposite of them, and I looked at monsters like the Shadu, uh, what's the other, the Lamassu, yeah. the Quaddle, 
And then the Monster Magnet 2 had those uh, those Astral Divas, Devas? Divas. Yeah, you mean Divas? Planetars and Soul Planetars, that was what I was looking for. And then I said, you know what? These are going to be the angels of my game in, in, in a certain format. And then, surprising that, you know, to make y'all laugh and everything, I even used Dark Suns, the... Um, when the uh, I forgot what you called them now for some like the, the Evangeons, the Preservers. After the Preservers mm. get to certain level, I use the Evangeons and use their description, and I use those as angels, as as uh, celestial beings. That's what I was thinking, celestial, you know, life forms or what have you in my games. But again, I just use them in the same format that you know when the evil people summon demons. I said angels can be summoned too. Well, what would the reaction be towards the players? Would it be your stereotypical, I'm an angel, I'm here to help you because I'm good? Oh, no, 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 no. I did the same thing with angels as I do with, with any time they encounter powerful uh, beings of that nature. You know how it is that when you run into dragons, you have to make a save for fear? Yeah. I did the same thing with angels, except it was uh, a save versus their, what do you call that, awe? Or Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, they give off a, an aura of awe, they're, they're just, the great power that they hold and everything of goodness and the light and the warmth and everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really make it seem quite obvious. I wanted to be more... Um, are you familiar with Deep Space Nine? Yeah. The show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember the prophets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lewis spoke with a, with a riddle-like type of talk and everything. I did the same thing with angels. I didn't want them to come out straight up. I am an angel. I am a power of good. If you do bad, I will slay you with my sword and send you to hell. And you'll burn forever. And I hope they stick a pitchfork in your butt for the rest of your natural life. <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't like that kind of stuff. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> No, I'm really being facetious. I'm yeah. getting off track here. <laughs> wow. But, you know, they're angelic beings, so you, and you have to treat them with that divine essence that they're highly intelligent, they're powerful, and they're sent there for a purpose. And I also treated angels as being, let's say, I wouldn't say they came in for the, the party used. They're like, uh, what is the proper word? They're arrogant. Yes. Arrogant, I would say, you know, because we're sent here to take care of your troubles. Well, yeah, you, angels uh, have this whole. Depending, now we're not stepping on religious toes here, so just please be advised of that right off the bat. <laughs> Supposedly, angels have a chip on their shoulder because they are not the favored ones. We are humans or mortals, I should say, and angels are like the ones that are supposed to serve us and serve the whole higher being. So they have a kind of this chip, as legend goes, on their shoulder about that. So they do, in a way, resent some of the mortals. Some of them. Yep. Again, there's no religious connotation to that. So, Yeah, now that's one thing. I'm glad you brought that up. And anything I bring up, now if I start getting into personal things, uh, and I only can say this, Green Ronin Publishing... Great company. I will love those guys forever because I thought they put out some superior product out there, some supplemental material. They brought out some stuff on angels and divine beings, and they brought out a, a nice supplement called Old Testament, role-playing in the uh, Old Testament days. Oh, cool. And they had a lot of that great material concerning angelic and divine powers, which can easily be translated into first edition and, and use as such. Oh, I thought it was great. Absolutely. I never found any of it to be offensive. I just thought how they put a twist into it and how the, you can actually describe it. It's, it's very difficult to describe those those kinds of angelic 
you know, creatures and put stats on them on a piece of paper. Yeah. And then explain that to the players. Oh, what are you dealing with? Did you see that movie, The Keep? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. One of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. There you go. It's so difficult. To, 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 that guy was an angel, I believe, or something like that. He wasn't an angel. He was actually... If you actually, if you had the ever read the book by F. Paul Wilson, he people might depict him as angel, but he's not. But okay, you could go with you could go with that uh, angle. You know, didn't Rollage do a module on the keep too? Yes, they did. Okay, they did. Yes, I thought I remember that. I thought he was angelic or something. I can't even remember the movie. Maybe the prophecy is another good example. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's with Christopher Walken too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great. Angel chipped on the shoulder. So, Nuts. If we had a campaign and we were including angels, would you guys allow players to become angelic type player, players and maybe go on a epic scale to fight demons? No. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, no, I would. I'm absolutely sorry. Absolutely not. I can't. No? I can't. No. No, I can't do that. I I don't want the characters to go past what what's written in you know in, in the player's handbook and whatnot. I mean, it has some interesting tones to it and everything, but I just want angels just to be a small portion of the campaign to where they're getting some assistance. But guess what? The the, the survival of the party rests on the party's merits. I, I don't want to make them any more what they really are. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, unless you were, yeah. Unless, I guess, you like you were saying, if you're going to pattern a, like a whole campaign from the start that they were going to play angelic beings, I guess, yeah, you could do that. But I wouldn't have them play angelic beings and say, oh, you know, Forgotten Realms or World of Greyhawk, and then plop them down there. That would be, <laughs> it's, it's like playing with fire in a little bit, you know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, but... I'm looking just like at the rule books, and I think it's very interesting that there was so much detailed material on demons and devils, but yet when it comes to the opposite side of the coin, when it comes to the more angelic beings, you only have really three types. Yeah. You got the divas, you got yep. the planetar, and you have the solars. That's it. Oh, the solars. Yeah. I forgot about yeah. those bad boys. Because, yeah, the divas are basically, if you want to. If there's anything that would be considered rank and file, it would be the divas. And even then, they're very powerful. Then you have the the, the planetars, which I in the description, and these are all in the monster manual too. Uh, I guess there's no fewer than a hundred of them, and they're nasty. I remember that with the planetars, their swords can like cut through anything. They're like a vorpal weapon almost. Uh, <laughs> plus four weapon with both defender and wounding qualities. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> And then you have the Solars, which are, you know, the highest ranking of the angelic spirits. I guess, I guess, if you want to make a comparison, the Solar would, uh, a, if you want to say real world or real religious analogy, would be like your your archangels. Yeah, a Solar would be like your archangels, like Michael, Gabriel, stuff like that. Um, but um, there's no real other types of like rank and file angels that are in the core books. Now I think the stuff that you have from Roll Aids, they I guess they expound on that a little bit more. Mm. Well, Roll Aids will give you different types of angels. They'll go into right. different. They actually give you two different classes that are uh, that are angel based. The uh, I have a problem pronouncing the first one. Where is that? Uh, 
the Elisat, am I pronouncing that right? Elisat? And the Seraphis. Okay. Uh, the first one's a wizard-based class. Right. That has all these good angelic spells. Really, Some of them are really cool looking, like, you know, using the light, the staff of the wall, things like that. And there's a Seraphis, who's a priest-based uh, class. I guess he would worship angels as his deity. Uh, both are very interesting. You might want to take a look at it. But what, the best thing I like about this, it gives you an adventure in here. In this box, so you can use it. So it has a lot of handouts, and huh. they went into a lot of detail. Because I don't know if you have it on your PDF, there, Nick. Uh, I don't think I did get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, they, yeah, they probably don't. Uh, they have the, the adventure book, and they have like all these handouts, and there's a treaty of our divine aid, and it's really detailed. Uh, I mean, they really went to detail, uh, it's like writing it in the right font, etching it with like the outline, how it would be looking all angelic and golden. They have a Ooh. manuscript in here. They have a, uh, a loose leaf binder. Uh, right here, I'm trying to pull this out here. Hold on a sec. Uh, of different. They give you pretty much the High Sentinel, the First Domain, all these different angelic creatures, mm-hmm. so you can get an idea how they're built. And you, so, if you just want to pluck a whole bunch out and say, "Okay, I want to go pull out," oh, here we go. Let me pull out one of these guys, Lord. Oh, no, it's not. That's not one. <laughs> Veramos, uh, the attendant overseer of the Sixth Domain Custodian, which is one of the different. Uh, domains of an angel. And right. it, it's basically a giant lion sitting on a bunch of crowns and <laughs> jewelry. Mm-hmm. And it tells you how to roleplay it. Aslan. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a foo monster to me. Yeah. It, it basically, in all these angels things, it tells you right there the personality, the abilities, and how to use this huh. in your campaign. Role wow, play. that's actually some pretty cool uh, food for thought. Like this one here says, this person gives no indication that he recognizes or acknowledges any visitors to his realm. So, there's okay. something there. And it goes on and on and on about that. Huh. So, these are some good information to have. I mean, Wow, that's some, some pretty yeah. cool stuff. Did you see the like, PDF? No, I didn't get to see it yet. Oh, you didn't see it yet. You're, you're going to find some neat stuff in there. And I just want to the, the, the branch off. Just one thing, as you're saying there, yeah. uh, Vince, that yeah. on the angels. Now, you know, we are talking about, you know, not real religion. I just talk about mine because I'm Jewish. Right. And in, in Judaism, angels, are, there's a hierarchy of angels. And yep. you brought up the seraphist as the one class. Right. Sounds like seraphim. Yeah, which is actually uh, the fifth rank in yeah. the hierarchy of angels in Judaism. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, then the fifth rank. And then you also have cherubim. I believe they're like nine or ten somewhere in that area. Yeah. They're, they're toward the bottom somewhere. So, yeah, like I said, there's a, it's, it's kind of neat how they use seraphist in there. And then, you know, it's, it's a, you know, a break off seraphim. It's, it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You could also do, like you said, Nick, uh, was you, no, Will, you said you just basically took the, the demons and devils and you reversed it just so you just made yourself an angel type character based on what they were made of. You can do that, too, if you don't want to buy this box. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I mean, it's kind of weird how you see that, that they, they have more material on the evil bad stuff than they do on really the good angelic stuff. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. And, you know, I have no clue if it's because, well, you understand, back in those days when I was stay, I was living in Alabama at the time, down there you had to be very careful in what you get. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you right now, you wasn't going to find these role-playing aids no. in gaming stores down there in the South. It just was not going to happen. Oh, no, definitely not. It wasn't yeah. going to happen because those stores down there monitored by everyone that's watching, which, you know, it is what it is back then. But uh, uh, 
it's just that angels just have to uh, they have to use them very carefully and you got to place them in just right at the right moment but I will tell you this though if a player character like a paladin or a cavalier or someone that's a lawful good uh, sacrifice himself for the good of the party in, in, in some part of the adventure then I would probably have the angel come down and say like okay you have died blah 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 put some you know, holy water sprinkle holy dust on him whatever and then you see him rip his soul out put some wings on and says now go to heaven and do your thing or whatever you know <laughs> I just had some really cool I think I said some really good ideas like if you want to do like a whole kind of angels and demons campaign just i was been mulling about this earlier too how how you can maybe work this out in 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 ad and d or you know or basic or whatever um one of the things i was thinking about is like you were talking about like paladins i think a really cool way to um maybe get a, a party uh, and involved in certain things, I think a an an angel like just like one of the divas could be like a spiritual guide and could it basically the diva is the plot hook. It drops plot hook ideas out there. You know, it's maybe appears to the paladin. You can even kind of go maybe with the crazy angle. Maybe the paladin is the only one who can see it, or something like that. Um, so that was just kind of like one idea. You can use those as plot hooks. I, I think like for angels, though, I would, I would use them as like more like the spiritual guides, unless something really big and bad is happening in your campaign world. Then they would get directly involved. So that's how I was kind of looking at that. Maybe uh, you know. Also, I'm, I'm just like trying to picture like a battle between one of like, uh, like uh, I don't know, like a. Type seven demon and a planetar. Hmm. I think that would be interesting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just just some thoughts. You know how you could do a campaign on that. I mean, also I think on the on the opposite side, when you're talking about the demons end, you would also have to play you know demons and devils as you know that they are maybe being worshipped. And that they have cults around your world, your your I game am. world. I've definitely and done I, that with a bunch of campaigns. Yeah, I mean, and in fact, I think the deities and demigods does list uh, in the um, in one section. Basically, your your arch devils and your arch demons they uh, have many of the abilities. They are considered lesser gods. So you can put that into your campaign, and somehow work it that there is this definite good versus evil power struggle going on in your game world and you can involve the the solars and the planetars and divas and whatever else like from the rollades books um as part of your campaign and it can make a very epic and and i think it could also bring up some uh interesting uh i guess quandaries Philosophical quandaries, maybe, for your player characters to to deal with as well, depending on how you how you play it out. Right, and you know what? I, I it's so funny bring this up, and you know, I know that this is a first edition podcast, but I really have to talk about some of these things. Well, go ahead. If you ever get an opportunity, uh, there is a book released by Paizo for the Pathfinder series called the the Four Horsemen or mm. the Last Horseman. I can't remember what it is right mm-hmm. now. But I tell you something, they have a phenomenal history 
Yeah, they did a good job with all those books with with like demons and oh man, and historical. Are you talking like the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse? Yeah, that's right. And you got to read on their history and Mm. the other horsemen that pre-existed before the ones, except the 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 guy, the Death One. He's been there the longest. All the other ones are almost young, some are old, and you got to find their history and how they interacted with angels in the past. Because one of them was very cruel, um, and the one on the devils was just absolutely. Yeah. amazing it was brutal because some of those devils i mean there was one that was a fallen angel and his whole prime primary mission in life was to find angels rip the wings from their body and then and, and skin them and then he made armor out of it oh wow <laughs> so i mean there was some there's some brutal yeah. stuff there between the devils and and angels and i thought like Wow. Now, if you can get a storyline where the characters are involved in these titanic struggles between the two, the two enemies, I mean, that's what I, I would rather play a party where they're caught up in the struggle between the, the forces of good and evil, whether it be hell or heaven or whatever you want to call it. This, yep. uh, you know, that's oh, what tough. I prefer. That's and and the demons and the demons and or the devils and the angels are using the PCs and NPCs as pawns against one another. Right. See, this is where, like, when we're talking about stuff now, this is where we're, I think, a lot of, like, DMs, and I think some players, too, where they get to a certain level uh, for their characters, the challenges tend to be a little bit uh, less difficult. There there tends to be, like, a cutoff somewhere uh, on the higher levels of, of, of player characters where there isn't a whole lot of challenge. I think when you introduce stuff like this, Here's some serious, awesome challenges that you pose to your players and to their characters, and it can make for uh, you know some epic, high-level campaigning going on. You could do a definite a whole campaign, like Will said, with an epic struggle between both sides and having the mortals in there intertwined. I mean, they did that on the TV show Supernatural for two seasons, mm-hmm. when yep. it was a war between the demons and the angels, and uh, pretty much you know which side will win. And then they had even a whole season when. Uh, everything was resolved, and then everybody was fighting over. All the angels were fighting themselves because God was missing. So who's going to run heaven? So they had right. all the angels in this epic battle, trying to collect all these weapons to defeat each other to see who was going to rule over heaven. And they brought the battle on earth, and you could do that type of thing. Yeah, oh, you could. Yeah. And I think what you want to do, though, you want to start off small. And I think also you don't want to give a hint to it to your players. You want to nope. start off as a regular campaign. Start off small. Start off with the regular stuff. Just kind of build up to it. Give them hints. Things are going bad. Something's going on. You, <laughs> then all of a sudden, every so often, the clerics and the paladins in the group, there's this angel that's appearing to them and dropping hints off about certain things that are going on in the multiverse. And you, you kind of build up to a crescendo, if you will. Yeah, and you and, know what? And instead the campaign, of having... Yeah, yeah, and the instead campaign of having, just like... Yeah, but instead of having an angel pop up, they should first start having visions. There yeah. you go. Visions, or, or they omens. get, or they get like kind of like possessed by it, and they like start speaking in tongues and splattering exactly. out all these things. Exactly, that is perfect. That's 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 what I like about Nick's idea, and that is absolutely perfect. Start real small and tiny, but don't. And I understand this, even though angels are lawful good, I, I think they all are lawful good, pretty much or whatever. Well, they can still use the characters as pawns to further their good, or sure. further their own, you know, their agendas. Mm-hmm. 
even if it does end up badly, that's just how they are because they're arrogant. And just like you said, Vince, they have a chip on their shoulder saying, like, why am I dealing with these mortals when we have bigger fish to fry or poke or whatever with, you know, devils are concerned and everything. Now, you know, um, when you talk about the, the, the angels and why they have a, they have basically a grudge against human beings is if I remember correctly, I'm trying to remember this from, um, it's from, uh, gosh, darn it. What book was that? <laughs> I did Bible? a report on it so many years ago, but one of the things <laughs> I the recall <laughs> from that was, <laughs> is that the angels do not have free will. No, they do not. Humans do. That is the, uh, and that was the thing that they, they are so, you know, they, they have a chip on their shoulder about is you humans can do whatever you want. <laughs> you have a choice. We don't. Right. And we were the, per- we are the perfect beings made in, in his exactly. image. And they were like the experimental things. Yeah. Right. They were the first. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that is just awesome. So there's a lot of great possibilities of using angels in a game, but I would not use them directly out in the open. I, I want there to be a supernatural feel to it. Ah, now I remember. I'm sorry. Paradise Lost. Duh. Ah. Uh, uh, okay. There you go. I, in fact, I highly recommend everybody. Uh, I think you could get some good gaming ideas out of that book. It's like the epic poem that came out of the late Renaissance. It's uh, it's really good. And I think you could get some ideas about it. So, yeah, Paradise Lost. I just quickly looked through what you were talking about. That uh, In the Sentinels book, almost all the uh, angels from whatever domain are either lawful good or neutral good. Hmm. No chaotic. It's interesting. No, they would not be chaotic. No. I could definitely go with them not being chaotic. Yeah. Which is kind that's of funny. Well, no, chaotic good. Individuality. Yeah. So true. my question would be, angels are to oppose devils because in all cases, I, I would think that devils are fallen angels. What about demons? Right. I would you know. I was thinking that the angels would fight, uh, go against the demons because demons are fallen angels. Devils are just. Now I'm just wondering because you have lawful uh, evil for devils and you have lawful good for angels. I was just wondering what, if there was an opposite for the demons, being that they're chaotic. I would think that. The oh. angels just view both demons and devils. If you're talking in a game sense, right? Just in the game sense, I think they would both view them both as um, opposition. Both demons and devils as opposition. I think it's the same thing, uh, demons and devils. Anyway, I don't know really why they split them up that way. Well, there's a methodical order. I mean, the devils, you know, they're methodical, they're disciplined, and, and all that stuff and everything, where demons, they don't have that kind of order and discipline within their ranks. Right. And uh, it, it's just amazing. I, I just, you know, I used to read it. There's a good article of that, but then again, it doesn't really cover too much the articles of hell, which were in, in Dragon yes. Magazine. Yeah, the I Greenwood articles, which are fantastic. Yeah, I can't think of the two magazines that had the but it's all good though. But yeah, it was just it just it's surprising that you know you know that the the angels they don't really cover a lot in D on on, on angels, but they definitely cover devils. Right. And demons. Yeah. and Paiso has that really good supplement, the uh, Prince of Lies for the Oh uh, yes. For the uh, it is awesome. Yeah, for the uh what is it? The the hierarchy of hell pretty much in there. Yes. For some reason, t- they have they, a, they have Asmodeus as the the Lord of. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Right. They, he is well. He has been since day one. He still is. I right. Mean, the King of and, Hell. Yeah. 
Now, I don't know what happened to him in like 3.5. I think there was a great war. And, and you, know, I, I, you know, before you even go to that, the, if you read, if you get the Tome of Horrors, yeah. and I don't know which one it was in, but then they cover the other devils that didn't, no one really talks about. You know, like Satan. Or actually, not Satan, I'm sorry, Lucifer. They call him Lucifer in that one. Yeah. And Asmodeus got all the other devils to overthrow Lucifer, and that's how Asmodeus, or Asmodeus, mm-hmm. however people pronounce it, mm-hmm. that's when he took over as the Lord of the Nine. Well, there was that one article that we talked about uh, yep. by Alexander Von Thorne, The Politics of Hell. Yes. That's, yeah. There you go. That was I couldn't think of it where it was at. Yeah, it's, I don't remember what issue of Dragon, but I know it's in Best of Dragon Volume 1. And that's a great article for anybody who wants to pick up on on not j- on the the whole dichotomy that was going on there in, in a Judeo-Christian sense, right? And you can maybe in, definitely port those ideas. And yeah, he did give stats for Satan. Uh, for for Satan, and he said, "Yeah, what was this move? Infinite." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How do you fight that? <laughs> well, yeah, because I remember the Tome of Horus. They had Lucifer in there, and I thought yeah. like. Oh my goodness! How in the world did Asmode and you and you figure all the others helped them? And you know the the the, uh, the lords of hell have all changed all the way up to now because there's some different. Some of them have been you know destroyed or Asmodeus you know got rid of some of them or some of them have been overthrown by some other powerful devil. I mean it's it's sad because Tiamat is on the first plane of hell. Yeah, yeah. And you know I'm thinking like, well what? And then you figure, well who opposes Tiamat? Well we all know who that is. That's that platinum dragon. Bahamut, yeah. Yeah, and you know, his little seven golden canaries that, you know, fly, flitter, flutter around him and everything. Oh, oh just right. an old man with some, you know, some canaries. We could beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he turns into a platinum dragon and those seven canaries turn into seven gold dragons. Right. <laughs> now, I believe he had a celestial subtype of something to him. I don't read too much on Bahamut. I don't know where he's at again. I don't know if he's in the, I think he's in the second one. But uh, He's in believe- the first monster manual. Was he? Yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking. I'm just losing my mind. Along, along with uh, Tiamat, yeah. Do, do they say anything about him being a celestial dragon or his... his uh, he's his own type. Yep, he's his own type. I figured it's such. Yeah, I was okay. how Tiamat is not more up there in the in the ranks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... That's weird. Which is weird because actually, in actual uh, real-world mythology, Tiamat's from either Babylonian or Sumerian myths. That's right, because she fought that Gilgamesh? Gilgamesh. Yeah. Yep. yeah you know what, but he he still couldn't beat five little kids in that cartoon. Oh, mind. <laughs> 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 he kept getting tricked into caves and stuff like that, you know. Oh, man, yeah. See, that was dumb in the cartoon. I don't know why. Well, I, I don't know. I can't explain it either, but but like I said, again, angels would fit in perfect. They just had to be fit in at the right time, not too early and not too late. Well, I don't think there'd be a late time to fit them in, but not directly. I just don't think that, I don't even think mortals can look at angels and, and, and survive the encounter by looking at them. They should be too, what would you say, what would be the word? Uh, Divine? Yeah, too divine to look at. Even though they're angels and they're subservient yeah. to a higher power, I still think they'd be too divine to look at straight, you know. They'd be too blinding, you know. Well, that'd be this, wouldn't that be the same thing as with demons? They'd be too utter evil or devils too utter evil to look at? No, not necessarily because what the thing is is that you want to look at them because you they, they don't want you to, to avoid looking at them. 
let me say from this context, it's easier to do bad things than really good things. So something that is too good would be too hard to obtain, but to, to, to turn to evil will be real easy. It's, it's tempting. You know what I'm saying? Seduce mm. you. That's ah. what I'm saying. That's how yeah. I look at it. That's with, an interesting angle on that. Yeah. That it'd be more yeah. easier to, you know, look toward evil than look high. It just, it just, you know, that comes to my mind like that, you know? Well, maybe we have, instead of angels being in their true form, we have them uh, pick a host that will, allows them to go into their body. Yeah, exactly. yeah or they polymorph yeah. into something else that yeah. is more. Exactly. Uh, like the, more um, peace to the human eye, more, something more, uh, something that a human being can handle. Like the Ark of the Covenant is a prime example. There you go. Good example. It's, it's, yeah. You're not, no mortal man was allowed to touch it. No one was allowed. That's why they carried it around on poles. And right. when it, when they accidentally toppled and, 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 the, and, and the Israelite wanted to hold it up, to, to, you know, to keep it from hitting the ground, he got struck down. Yes, he All did. This, he wanted to do something good. But again, the yeah. law states, no mortal can touch it. Or open and look at it as the Nazis found out in Indiana Jones. That's right. They have a really rough time with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's I like I was saying just to kind of gather my thoughts on this, and is just I think you start with this really slow if you're going to have this sort of campaign with angels, demons, devils, and all that. And I would, like I said, I wouldn't give a hint to the players of what's going to be coming in the future. I just thought of something. There's actually another Rollades box set. It just triggered my mind. It's called the Apocalypse. Oh, uh, I don't remember. There what, you what, go. I don't remember what Mayfair number it was. I just saw it too today, and I was going to pull it out so I could bring it on the podcast. And you just triggered that when you said something, Nick. But <laughs> I don't know what it was. But it basically has a whole campaign of how to do the Sentinels versus the Demons using both box sets. So it's a good wow. I would really like to check it out. You know, you just got my, you piqued my interest because I don't really own a lot of them. You piqued my interest. I'm going to start looking at trying to, uh, you know, getting these. And yeah. you, you said another word that triggered another thought, and it's just awesome. Did what? you see the movie The Sentinel? Yeah. Do, 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 uh, with yeah. Jack Bauer? No, the one with Burgess Meredith in there. Oh, yes. the old one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, with, remember with the nun, she's watching over the gate of hell, or not the nun, or it could be, a, it was a, a priest, one of the two for the Catholic Church. Yeah. yeah their yeah, whole yeah. time is that they're the sentinel. They posted there to keep watch over the gate of hell, that once that person's removed and there's no replacement, the gates of hell open up and all the devils start coming out, all the demons and devils start coming out. That's another good source of inspiration of how twisted it was where they took a good person and, and, and made them suffer all this crazy stuff to the point of committing suicide. Then they come in the last second to save them and then make them a sentinel of good. Huh. Great movie. One of the, That's an old classic. A lot of have never seen the sentinel. Great movie. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah. And there's another one called The Evil. If you have never seen the movie The Evil, please check it out because the guy that plays the devil in there, or one of the devils, where there's only one devil in that movie, but it's not the actual devil, but he plays just one of many. Great, great movie and how he is sealed in, in, into the, this um, prison underneath the house. Another, huh. And how he uh, messes around with everyone. Great movie. Wow. Into that kind of check stuff. Check that one out. Yeah, the evil hmm. and uh, the sentinel. Yes, 
I've heard of 976 Evil, but not Evil. 976 Evil. That was an old movie. I can't remember that one. It was an 80s movie about an answering machine. It had like all these evil messages on it. That's right. That's right. Oh, and another movie that I forgot to tell you all about. The one where they was in the elevator. It was called Devil. Oh, that one was really good. Now, wasn't that awesome? It was good, too. Yeah, that was kind of one of those whodunit mystery, what's going on next thing. And and all involved was a bunch of people in an elevator, which was really cool. Ordinary people that you knew nothing about until it started coming out. I'm not telling you, the scene that scared me the most in there, when she looked and says, damn, and I wanted you the most, or I wanted you. Yes. I thought, like, good Lord, that was terrifying. Yeah, when she, we won't say much, but when the devil finally revealed himself. That was terrifying when he just yeah, when, the, it, when it looked at you. Oh my! And I said like, and damn, I wanted you. I said, wow, he wanted you. <laughs> of all the bad souls on earth, he wanted you, and he made it plain and clear. That was a scary movie. Yeah. Wow. That was um, an M Night Shyamalan movie, I think it was. Yeah, it was one of the ones that didn't. Well, I think that failed too, but <sighs> I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. I don't know why people didn't like it. Probably because he didn't the the last movie that he did. Yeah, I guess that. after I guess after the village and that whole disappointment. Of that, I liked the village. I did. I loved the village. I thought that, I was, thought a that was a cool film. Great concept for a movie. Yeah, yeah the village was a good one. I, I preferred the older one with Christopher Reeve in it. Village of the Damned, I believe it was called. And yeah. I mean, what, well, that, that's told a different story, though. That's, oh, was yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Village of the Damned is totally different. Oh, I'm confused. I must be yeah. lost somewhere. See, I got lost between dem- demons and devils and demons, and now I don't know where I'm at now. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of good supplements and, out and there. And there, Matt Damon showed up, and then... <laughs> oh, you didn't do that. I did. Jason Bourne showed like when you can save yourself? And Matt Damon did play an angel. Yes, in Dogma. Dogma, thank you very much. <laughs> That's right, Dogma. I forgot about that. Another yes, good it, film is what a little do something a little bit tongue-in-cheek. About, that, that was uh, yeah, that was that was great how they had the whole demons and devils and everything going around yeah, on Earth. Yeah. I love the Calcothan. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you get a chance, check out the right with uh, the Anthony guy that Hopkins? plays Silence of the Lambs. What was Anthony Hopkins. Again? Yeah, that was interesting. That was kind of, he, that he was a, a man of faith, and yeah. then he got possessed. Ooh, yeah, I meant to see that. I got. They could have chopped out. off an hour of that movie, though. Say again? They could have chopped off an hour of that movie. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of fluff in there. And I, I don't know if it was trying to deceive people because it kind of took me away from the character of Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. But then when the part when he slapped that child that came up to him. Yeah. I said, uh-oh, something bad has happened here. <laughs> it, 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 it followed around that one guy who was becoming a priest. Or... Oh, that's right. Because he lost his faith. He didn't believe yeah. it. You know what? Another good one. And I... I... It almost reminded me of that one is The Exorcist 3. With, oh. uh, that's a good one. Um, that's actually based off a book called Legion. Legion, another movie. Yeah. That movie was weird, Legion. That was weird. I want to see that one, but um, if you haven't seen Exorcist 3, it is actually very good. Uh, George C. Scott plays a, a, a cop in that, trying to investigate a bunch of murders that seemed to be um, like the uh, Zodiac murders. Right? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yep. And then it, it gets into the whole thing with Father Karras and <laughs> how he got possessed and everything. And, um, I like that. Yeah, it's really good. 
It's a really. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because every time I think of the Zodiac Killer, I think of the same time period. There was someone running through Central Park. It was called the Dart Man. He was throwing darts at people, hitting on the uh, buttocks. (laughs) His specialty was to run at them and throw it at them and hit them in the buttocks and then run away. I don't know why he was doing that. I just remember the the Dart Man. The Dart Man. I gotta look that one. What was that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he died at the end where he had to fight the devil? What was that one called again? Oh, jeez. End of Days. End of Days actually was pretty good. Yeah. Speaking about Arnold Schwarzenegger, you see the new announcement they're going to redo Total Recall? That, I can't wait. I would love that. I don't know if that's going to work. Is he going to be in it? No. No. It won't work then. It's going to be um, uh, 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 Will Ferrell. No, not Will Ferrell. The other guy with the same. Not Will Ferrell. Shut up. No, I'm just kidding. Colin Ferrell. Colin Ferrell. Oh, no. Maybe. I, I, I knew it was Ferrell. I just couldn't think of the last name. You know, the first name. Yeah. Will Ferrell as. <laughs> what's his name in Total Recall? Yeah, I don't think that would work. <laughs> Get to the chopper. No. <laughs> Get down. Get to the chopper. <laughs> You right. took my father's sword. <laughs> we got the middle of steel. Yes. Sonia! We'll take the off topic. Yes. <laughs> this show has been brought to you by Pi. <laughs> good old fashioned. Good old fashioned <laughs> apple pie. No, no, great, no, great subject. Like I said, I like to hear what people say about angels and how they use devils because that, that, oh boy, I can't wait to see what this next podcast will be about. Well, there's a whole lot of Rolaid stuff that was made in the 80s. I picked up a lot of it, not using half of it. I just picked it up because it was something cool, and my shop actually carried it. Oh, wow. Because I remember back in the day when I was picking up all this first edition stuff, none of it was ever in the shop because people would buy it. And every time I want to buy something, the guy would go, oh, we're out. But we have Sentinels. It's the Rolaid. Well, not Sentinels. I mean, the Rolaid product. And I'm like, Rolaid? And the guy's like, yeah, it's made for Adventures and Dragons. He was showing me the little thing. I'm like, I still remember that. The guy pointing his little pudgy finger at it. Uh-huh. His, I should say his dirty pudgy finger because the guy was always smoking a pipe in his shop. Dorito stained. No, not Dorito stained. It was like pipe stained. Oh, man. Because the guy was always smoking a pipe and he had like those black dirty fingers from smoking a pipe. <laughs> and he always pointed his little pudgy finger and goes, it's made for dun- events, Dungeons and Dragons, as he would stroke his beard that was down to his gut. Oh, you know man, what? We're going to get a letter from this guy or yeah, something right? like that. <laughs> oh, that was me. That shop, that shop is long closed. Waterloo is called. Oh, man. You would have liked oh, it, Will, because it had a lot of uh, miniatures and a lot of wargaming in it. Uh, <laughs> you're killing me. Well, it was funny. The original owner was this little old guy, like five foot something. We called him the little old guy because he could barely move and he was little. And then, like, <laughs> okay. he disappeared. And then there was just this big guy with the with the, the long beard that smoked a pipe constantly. Every time he walked into the shop, it was just pipe smoke. So anything you bought was smelled like pipe smoke. Oh God! That you know what? You just remind me of a guy that he was almost the same way. He smoked a pipe. Wore these black rim glasses. He's shaped like a bowling pin. Oh my god, that sounds like the guy I knew. And but, this, and did he always uh, play when he played AD and D? He always had the multi classes character with a ninja. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, he always had the multi classes character with a ninja, magic user ninja, but, thief ninja. The one thing I say about this one guy, other than his pipe smoke and his pudgy finger and dirty finger on the on the book, was that when he played D anD D, he played Holmes D anD D, and he was a good DM. He knew his stuff. He knew how to run an adventure, and 
I was always happy that he was able to like sit down and run things. You could chat with him for hours, and he didn't care. That's cool. Yeah, too bad we well, maybe he could be an angel ninja. Angel ninja. <laughs> Oh, you know what? That's a good thing, too, because I didn't see too much. If you get a chance in L5R, look at some of those things on their angelic beings. That's some awesome stuff. Yeah. L5R has a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. So, for those L5R fans, Oriental Adventures, look at the L5R. I never got into the whole, uh, what was the Rokugan Adventures? Right. That came after Oriental Adventures that Wizards of the Coast put out. Yeah, that didn't do too well. I wasn't very pleased with it. If I can't pronounce names, I probably won't play it. <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, I can't. I, if I can't pronounce it, I hate... You know, the guy said so high, so I'm glad he said it right. I, I would have said so he high. So I would know. He's so high? <laughs> yeah, so I mean... Oh, man, I tell you. So high. Hey. Yeah, so high. That's what I would pronounce as. But anyway. <laughs> all right, that'll, that'll end the show about some angels we did, or the Sentinels. Pick up the book. You can probably get it off Amazon... I saw a couple of them brand new under you know ten what? bucks. I think you could get them at Drive Through RPG. Yeah, or you can, if you want the actual, a lot of people like physical products. Right, but you can get the PDF. I think at Drive Through RPG. I know a couple of years ago, Mayfair like was selling all their stock of these Rollade things for under five dollars practically. Wow. Yeah, they had a really good sale going on because they were just emptying out the warehouse. So there's a, there's a flood on the market of these Rollade things. How did I miss out on that? I don't know. I, I It was like 2004 or five or something like that. Yeah, I was deployed. I missed that. Yeah, I was deployed too. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you mentioned that. I was deployed. I was in Iraq at the time in 2005. Was you? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh-oh. Someone's got to talk. Anyway, so that's going to end the show. Special insert number four. Volume two, number four. Insert. Uh, special insert. Uh, we'll be back next week with a full show, and Matt will be back with us, uh, hopefully. He doesn't have another wrestling show to go to. <laughs> was King it? Kong Bundy. Yeah. So we're going to say keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Hey, everyone. See you all later. for initiative.